Hello, everybody, and welcome to Care Talk, where we answer your healthcare and health insurance questions. My name is Laura Packard, and I'm the founder of Healthcare Voices, but I'm also a cancer survivor and have been through the American healthcare system and seen its horrors firsthand. So we're here to help you get the answers you need to navigate our overly complicated system. And with that, our first question is, what is Medicaid unwinding and what should you do if you're currently enrolled in Medicaid? And to answer that, welcome Zoid from Health Sherpa. Thanks, Laura. So Medicaid unwinding um, refers to what is going on right now. So um, during the pandemic, um, states were not um, redetermining people, which is something that typically happens every year where they look at everyone who's currently enrolled in Medicaid. Um, they ask for updated information to see if they're still eligible or if they're no longer eligible for Medicaid um, and um, removing them from Medicaid if they're no longer eligible. So that was paused during the pandemic. So a lot of people got to stay on Medicaid, which was great. Um, but now um, with the pandemic, with the public health emergency ending, um, they are transitioning people off of Medicaid. Um, so it's going to look different in different states. Um, but in essence, um, there, I, some states might be just sending you a letter saying you no longer have Medicaid and you need to update their information with them um, to see if you can be re-enrolled. Some states um, might be giving you a bit more lead time of, hey, update your information. You have this number of months. Um, and if you don't, then you might be removed. Um, so it's going to look different in your state. The key is if you're currently enrolled in Medicaid to make sure all of your information is up to date with Medicaid, um, primarily your contact information so that you can get any communications from them that they might be sending. So your address, email, phone number, um, as well as your income information. Um, so it's easier for them to determine if you're still eligible. Um, and if you are currently, if you are eligible for other insurance, like if you have a job that is now offering you insurance, um, it's also helpful to update that with. Um, Thank you, Zoid. And what is the Medicaid unwinding special enrollment period or SEP? Yeah, so um, to help all of these folks who will be losing Medicaid in the coming months, um, CMS has created a special enrollment period specifically for these people. It started March 31st and will end July 31st of 2024, so next year. So basically, if you lose Medicaid at any point during this time, then you are eligible for a special enrollment period to enroll in coverage the marketplace, even if it's been longer than 60 days since you lost Medicaid. Um, so we are still within those first 60 days, but say, you know, you got your, you got kicked off, um, you know, today, but you didn't realize that you were eligible to enroll until September. Um, you can still go ahead and fill out your eligibility application um, with, with um, healthcare.gov. You can also do this on Health Sherpa, And then you have 60 days after submitting your application to select a plan. Um, but you're not subject to that 60 day window like you normally would be for a loss of coverage um, from March 31st. So from now until July 31st of next year. 
if you've lost Medicaid. And can you tell me more about how the Medicaid unwinding process is going? I know it's different in every state, but have you heard anything? Are some states moving faster than others? Yeah, so it's um, some states are certainly moving faster than others. The the big thing is that communication in most states is um, not ideal. Um, just in my experience in California, you know, there's folks who have been kicked off and then been sent and then received their letter from Medicaid telling them that they've been kicked off, um, which, um, you know, that might not be everyone because California is kind of complicated. Um, Medicaid is also partially run by the county, not just the state. Um, so it could be different in different counties, um, but we, we certainly could be seeing folks who don't know that they're no longer on Medicaid um, for a certain period of time um, because they haven't received the communication. There's some states that, you know, um, might not be sending out all the communications that you'd hope they would be sending out. Um, so it w- it's going to look very different. I definitely encourage our viewers, if you have any experience or have heard anything, to write in with your experiences. Um, so we kind of talk about that and also talk about what your next steps could be, um, because it- it's definitely going to be a messy period for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so in general, would you say uh, if you, anywhere in the country, if you are on Medicaid now, you should be calling or writing your local office to make sure that everything is still good? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You also might have an online portal where you can do that as well. A lot of states have that. Um, But really, if you are currently on Medicaid, you should um, be as proactive as you can be to follow up with that yourself, because we can't necessarily rely on the state to be communicating with you in a timely manner. Our next question is from Kelly, who says that I have Florida blue, but I don't see, uh, I'm having trouble seeing a specialist. I have arthritis, but I'm 60 years old, too young for Medicare. So uh, do you have any thoughts for Kelly in Florida? Absolutely. So um, without knowing too many details, it, it sounds like this might be a problem with your network. Um, with finding a specialist that your insurance takes, as well as possibly getting a referral, depending on the type of plan you have. A lot of plans, you need a referral from your primary care physician to see a specialist. Um, So this is a common problem. So there's a couple things. If you're having trouble getting that referral from your primary care doctor, if you're having trouble getting in to see them, or um, um, they're not giving you the referral, because, you know, sometimes that happens, especially with disabled folks, um, doctors will tell them, no, I don't think you actually need to see a specialist. Um, it's not, luckily that doesn't seem to be the norm, but it certainly happens. Um, I would recommend calling their office first. If you're ha- just having trouble getting an appointment, see if there's, you know, maybe they can do a virtual care or phone appointment with you and get you in quicker. And then if they're just refusing to give you a referral, um, it might be time to be seeking out a different primary care doctor. Sometimes you have to go through several to find one who will really advocate for you. And I know that sucks. Um, unfortunately, that's just kind of how our system works. Um, and if there are no specialists in your area that your insurance is covering, then that is a problem with their network. And you should be filing an appeal with them um, because they do still need to cover a specialist um, that is within your reasonable geographic area for you to go see. So if there is no one, then they need to be covering someone who's out of network. Um, They might still tell you, oh, there's someone who's 50 miles away. And unfortunately, that's going to be another problem. Um, But definitely file appeal with them first. If that doesn't get you anywhere, file an appeal with your insurance department in your state. 
Um, just in general, um, you know, we talk a lot about getting folks covered and, um, you know, we were just talking about with Medicaid, what to do when you lose it. Um, but even when you are covered with insurance, it can still be very hard to get the care that you need, especially if you have another marginalized identity, you know, if you are disabled, if you are fat a lot of the time, you know, doctors will say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you just need to lose weight, even though it is contrary to the science. Um, also, if you are trans, um, I'm currently going through the process of getting a gender affirming hysterectomy um, and I have to jump through a lot of hoops that thankfully I'm able to jump through um, because I, I work from home and I have the time to kind of manage things, but I have to, um, you know, see a gender specialist to have them sign off that I, you know, I'm otherwise mentally healthy and can, can do this. Um, and luckily I can do that through a virtual appointment and luckily through my insurance, I don't have to pay for that, but that's not the case for everyone. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, cis women get hysterectomies all the time without needing to have someone say that they're mentally fine, check a box to do it. Um, so it's um, it's definitely a lot of extra hoops. If you don't have the time and energy to advocate for yourself and to go through all of that, um, see if you have family or friends who can help you through it. I know, especially when you're disabled, it can, you, it can feel kind of weird to have to ask other people for help. Um, but I promise you there's, there's going to be someone in your life who's more than happy to go to the doctor with you and say, no, they're in pain. They need to see a specialist for their arthritis um, or, you know, or help you schedule their appointments or whatever you need. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, not sure where in Florida Kelly is, but maybe uh, there's access to, for, to more specialists through virtual appointments, like you mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. So in general, how do you find the best health insurance policy for your family? You know, if you're looking on the marketplace, there's so many options. Mm-hmm. How do you pick uh, what should you be looking for? What should you be looking out for? Yeah, it's it's a difficult question. Um you know, because there are so many options. Um, and it, it also depends on what your needs are, which, you know, you can't always predict your needs for the whole year. Um, but there's a few things to look for. If you have doctors that you, you know, you like, um, and you want to continue seeing them, then I would ask them, you know, which types of insurance do you take? Um, it's usually best to go to your doctor and ask them than to check on the insurance company's website because that network, the network directory isn't always up to date, but your doctor should be able to tell you where their office or billing department. Um, also, if you're on different medications, checking the drug formularies of different insurance insurances, insurance plans to see if they cover those medications and what costs they are. You know, some insurance companies, your drug may be considered in their low cost generic tier. Others might consider it a higher cost generic. And so it could be, you know, even though it's still a generic drug, they just put it on a different tier and it's more expensive with them. Um, Another thing to be looking at is the out of pocket maximum for the year. So if you are eligible for some of those really nice cost sharing reductions on silver plans through the marketplace, you could have pretty low out-of-pocket maximums for the year. So even if, you know, some of your coke pays are a little higher than you'd like them to be, but your maximum out-of-pocket for the whole year is $500, that might be worth it. Um, but for those of you who, who don't qualify for that, their income level doesn't fall in that, um, 
you might be looking at max amount of pockets that are more in the thousands. So you're going to want to be paying closer attention to those copay amounts and co-insurance percentages um, because you're less likely to hit your maximum amount of pocket. And if people want um, in-person or phone help in going through their choices, should they be talking to a navigator or a broker or what are those things? Yeah, so navigators can help you with filling out your eligibility application and they can kind of help you with some of the basics about, you know, what deductibles are, what maximum out of pockets are. If you're like totally like I just said a bunch of nonsense to you, you have no idea what I just said, then you might want to talk to a navigator to kind of get some more of that basic information. Um, however, they cannot make plan recommendations. Um, however, agents and brokers who are registered with the FFM, so always double check to make sure that, you know, they they do ACA plans, they're registered with the FFM. Um, there's actually ways you can look up through their NPN to see if they are. Um, and I, I think we can probably share some of that on our website. Um, but they will not only be able to walk through the eligibility application with you, help you fill it out. They can also explain some of these terms to you. Um, they will also be able to go over plans with you, go into detail about the different plans and help you choose one that's right for you. Um, they do make money off of you being enrolled in plans. So kind of depending on the they make some amount of commission um, monthly from the plan that you're enrolled in um, or their agency that they work for makes that money and then they, they get paid from their agency. Um, so obviously something to keep in mind, if you feel like you're really being steered into a plan that you're not sure is right for you, then maybe that agent or broker has some other incentives. But on the whole, if you're looking for advice on what plan to enroll in, um, agents and brokers are the ones who will be able to go over. Thank you, Zoid. And for everybody uh, listening or watching, please call or text in your questions at 202-838-6837, and we will answer them in future episodes. And now I'd like to introduce our special guest for today. Uh, welcome, Cheryl fish Parchman. Parcham at uh, Families USA, who will be talking about uh, what a Texas court just ruled that could affect whether you can access preventative care through your health insurance and what happens next. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Good to be here. So uh, tell us about this Texas court case, uh, which uh, you may have heard of as Braidwood. Uh, who brought it and uh, what's going on? It was brought by uh, Braidwood Management Company and six individuals. These are individuals in Texas who objected especially to the fact that PrEP is a covered preventive service in all health plans that are uh, compliant with the Affordable Care Act. But they took issue with preventive services generally. So this is about whether health, what, whether health plans have to cover preventive services for free and what services they have to cover for you. Um, right now, you can get a number of services that have been that recommended by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force as being useful to help you avoid getting a number of serious illnesses, um, and those are free of cost sharing, and th this case calls that into question. So by preventative services, you mean things like uh, mammograms and uh, other types of uh, scans and your free annual checkup, that kind of thing? That's absolutely right. Um, anything that this t 
task force has recommended since 2010 is in question in this case. So this includes lung cancer screening for 50 to 80 year olds with smoking history, statins to reduce cholesterol, PrEP for people with high risk of HIV infection, colorectal screening, perinatal depression, anxiety in children screening, screening for hepatitis B, screening for liver cancer, screening for cervical cancer, for hepatitis C, for pre and aspirin to help prevent premature deaths, um, pre-diabetes and uh, diabetes screening. So very important services that are being called into question. And so where does the case stand now that the judge made a ruling? So Judge O'Connor in Texas made a ruling that these services don't need to be covered. Um, the case has now is now on appeal at the Fifth Circuit, and the, um, the Department of Justice has filed an appeal there. Um, there a number of patient groups have also filed amicus briefs saying that they, they also don't want this um, ruling to go forward. Uh, what are some of those groups that have come out against this? Um, American Lung Association, American Heart, Adult Vaccine Access Coalition, Cystic Fibrosis and Epilepsy, groups that met, represent people with leukemia, with MS, with AIDS, um, the National Minority Quality Forum. So a, a number of patient groups, and, and we expect that more will do so also. Besides the patient groups, the American Public Health Association has objected to the case, and a number of law school deans and scholars have also objected to it. So how many people does this affect? How many people get free preventative services thanks to these requirements? Well, there are about 152 million people who are enrolled in private coverage that are subject to these requirements. And over 100 million people end up actually using the preventive services benefit in a year. So uh, that means that even if somebody has private insurance, they do not have insurance through the Affordable Care Act. This affects them, too. Well, a lot of private insurance is through the Affordable Care Act. So it's not just the healthcare marketplaces. It's, it's also private insurance that you might get through your employer. So there are some plans that existed long before the Affordable Care Act that are, have a grandfathered status that might not have to comply with this, but, but almost most, most plans will have to comply, do, do have to comply right now with the preventive services mandate. And, and so that is called into question. So um, since these things are in jeopardy, uh, will doctors continue to recommend these services or uh, will people stop getting these key preventative uh, tests if, if, if they're going to have to pay extra for it? Well, we're, we're very afraid that people will stop getting those, those, these tests if they have to pay for it. Um, it's the, the, the place where the case stands now is that the government has asked for a stay in the, in the ruling um, and we're waiting for a ruling as to whether that stay is going to be granted. So, we don't know exactly what will happen while this case is being litigated at this point. Um, a number of plans are on a calendar year. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be until the next time that they're renewed that they might, that the cost sharing might be charged. Some plans can make the change with a 60 day advance notice. 
some plans are not on a calendar year. So at different times in the year, people could face this problem where the plan decides that um, now they're not going to provide all of the preventive care for free or certain of the preventive care for free. And how quickly might employers and insurance companies drop coverage of these services if uh, the ruling doesn't get stayed or reversed? Um, mostly they would have to provide 60 day advance notice. Um, if you're like, if your plan here is changing, things could happen quickly. Is this already happening or is, are people, uh, are insurers and employers waiting to see how the courts go? Well, so in Texas specifically, the, these particular companies, Braidwood Management, Kelly Orthodontics, and six Texas individuals said that they had a religious objection to covering um, PrEP, the, the, the services to prevent the sp spread of HIV. The court in Texas said, okay, you don't have to cover these services. Um, and the, for the moment, at least, no one is saying that those folks particularly have to cover those services. So though that part has stood for those particular individuals, as far as whether there's a, a nationwide impact, that's what is in act. Uh, so this case is mostly about requirements for private insurers to cover preventative services. Uh, could this ruling, uh, what's happening in the courts, have any effects on Medicaid or Medicare? Yes, Medicaid expansion programs also have to cover the services that are recommended by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. And um, in Medicare, the, the secretary of HHS determines what could be covered. The, while this case isn't directly taking care, taking aim at the Medicaid program, um, by inference, they could, they, there's, they're taking aim at whether the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has authority to decide what, what care um, people should get. Um, and so a future lawsuit or uh, could um, have an impact on Medicaid. Similarly, with Medicare, um, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force decides what cost sharing should be eliminated, and there could be repercussions on that down the line, not immediately. The case doesn't immediately get at either of those two programs. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit more about timeline? So this one judge in Texas has ruled, and it's been appealed to the Fifth Circuit. What happens next, and how long does it take? Well... The, right now, people are filing amicus briefs at the Fifth Circuit, and that could go through June 12th. Um, and then what happens next sort of depends on whether there's a stay or not at that level. Um, there, there might be a stay, and then litigation would proceed to decide what happens. Um, it could go to the Supreme Court. Um, it, I expect some rulings in the spring, but I think the, the case itself could go on for a much longer time than that. Um, so it's really important that people start talking about it and say how much this matters and that they care about their preventive services. Public opinion is, is sometimes as important as, as the legal 
matters themselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, if the uh, appeals uh, court could be doing, could be working on this for months, it, it might not even hit the Supreme Court until next year. So it would continue to be in limbo and not really know what's happening. That could, that could very well be, yes. So it all really depends on whether there is a stay or whether there are immediate effects of this ruling. That's right. Uh, so the people uh, listening and watching with us right now, is there anything they can do about it? What, what, what should we be doing right now? Well, public opinion really is important. Um, there, there are a couple things that people can do. One is that they could, they could file a MECA brief at the, at the courts. They could, they could join with patient groups that are doing this. They could um, talk to lawyers about whether they might be good people to, to, be involved in the litigation. Short of that, people could also explain how preventive services matter to them. They uplifting stories in the media as well as to political officials is a really important thing that we all have the power to do. Um, my organization, Families USA, can help lift up stories um, if you have a story to tell about why preventive care matters to you, feel free to email us. Um, we'd be glad to talk with you. Um, but also everybody can be talking to newspapers about the importance of preventive. And so how do people uh, get a hold of you in Families USA if they care about making sure that we can all access preventative services? Um, my email address is cparchum at familiesusa.org. Um, you feel free to email me. Um, also, you can go online at familiesusa.org and there's a place, tell us your story that you'll find on our website. How can people keep track of what's happening next since this may be stuck in the courts for many months? Uh, how, how can they find out what, what just happened or what's going to happen? Um, well, we'd be glad to, to talk with you as, you as you try to figure this out. Georgetown University has a wonderful litigation tracker that um, provides updates on the status of this case. Okay, so they should go to that Georgetown website to find out more and see what's happening. That's right. Well, thank you very much for sharing this important uh, court case, because I think uh, millions of Americans are not aware that their access to basic preventative services could be under attack. So uh, as Cheryl said, it's important to share your story, spread the news, make sure that people know about this because it's been kind of under the radar. There have been some other big court cases involving healthcare this past year that people have been talking about. And this is one that people haven't been talking about as much, but it affects millions, as you said, over 100 million Americans potentially. That's right. Thank, thank you for thank you for talking about this issue. It's so important that people take action and hear about it. And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, please call or text in your questions at 202-838-6837, and we'll answer them in future episodes. And uh, join us next week. This is Care Talk. <laughs>